Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. Welcome to nearly the second half of the year. This is an interesting time of year, and we're going to share with you guys some little uh, suggestions on keeping yourselves motivated and keeping yourselves from avoiding burnout at the start of today's show. And the topic of today's show is something that we are doing on, because a lot of you have been requesting it, are talking about buyers. Now, I know that our primary focus has always been on helping you guys become powerful listing agents, but the reality of it is, is when you become a powerful listing agent, you are going to pick up some very sweet buyers, namely the sellers that have to, you know, or choose to move up or move down, and also the occasional buyer that's really motivated to buy that you get off the sign, all that good stuff. So your best buyers always come from your for sale signs, so we are in complete alignment with what we normally uh, present to you guys. Julie, are you on? I am. I think I am. Okay. Yes, you are. We can hear you. Good. (laughs) All right. So, Julie, before we – I know we had some technical issues. No big deal. Um, So before we jump in, do you have any emails you'd like to share with all of our listeners? Uh, Just a couple of uh, Facebook page shout-outs. Matthew Cole got his pre-listing package done. looks very professional and complete and is now off to the races using it. Also, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, we have a little shout-out to from Ken Williams. Julie, thank you for reaching out to me and responding to my multi-offer SOS. He sent me an email, even on a holiday. You guys are awesome. Tim was just saying we should work on the holiday because nobody else would be. Glad we're, you were too. So I just uh, helped Ken out a little bit over the holiday weekend. And let's see, lots of other action on the Facebook page. Just a quick comment, uh, a couple of things that I've seen, Tim. Uh, our regular quote regular residential agents often will ask how you know should I say yes to doing a lease should I say yes to writing an offer on a commercial property it's kind of out of my wheelhouse what should I do and my response and maybe you can have a twist on this but I generally will answer by saying that you earn while you learn and that your answer is yes it's my pleasure to take care of that for you you make sure you're using the right forms from your brokers you know you ask lots of good questions and if you're not weird about something they won't know And, you know, I wish that your real estate training in school got you ready to handle everything all the time, but it's not going to happen. So just say yes. It's my pleasure to help you. And then ask questions like you guys do via the Facebook page, via emailing us, coming to my daily premier coaching call, and, of course, talking to your brokers. So if you don't have any more productive appointments that day, just say yes. Make sense? Yes, (laughs) it does. So I'm going to share with you guys a couple suggestions that we – that we have that a lot of you are experiencing, and I noticed this in your emails, your Facebook comments. Um, you know, this time of year, guys, you're going to have to drill down twice as hard. And this year in particular, you're going to have to drill down twice as hard. There's a lot of consternation in the marketplace. We speak to a national audience. You guys need to know your own markets to really know how much, you know, uh, it's more of a seller's than a buyer's market. Some of you guys are in a buyer's market where essentially there's way more houses than there are buyers and, and most of you are in a market that's the exact opposite of that. So it's normal in June to feel a little bit of burnout and it's uh, I think it's probably amplified 
by the fact that if you have children or even if you don't, kids are getting out of school now. And then at the beginning of next month, you're going to have 4th of July. And then in August, you're going to have the kids going back to school. So here's what I want you guys to do. And I made the suggestion twice before in the podcast. I received a lot of really good feedback about this idea because it really does help you to focus your energies and focus your mind. You don't have six months left to uh, work this year. You don't. And here's why. Because if you look from June 1st all the way to the end of the year, we're in the time of year when there's constant <laughs> disruptions to business. Not just your business or our business, but every kind of business. And we can work it backwards. So in December, how many realistically, how many weeks will you be able to buy or sell? Even if you're like us and you have the mindset that I'm going to work, period, you're not going to find too many people who want to work with you because they're going to be you know, decorating their Christmas trees or menorahs or whatever else they do in December. So the reality of it is, is in December, if you're lucky, you're going to have maybe seven to ten, day, ten productive days. Then you ratchet it back to November. Same thing. You're going to have maybe ten, seven to ten productive days, maybe a little bit longer in November. It just depends. And then you go back to October, and then you're looking at the last week in October, which is usually a wash. And then you guys keep on going back, and here's what you're going to discover. If you give yourself, you know, you're not going to be working every day. You're not going to be working every weekend. You're not going to be, you, again, you're going to be forced to take time off during the holiday times of years where most other people aren't going to be working. Now, you could still be messing around with your, you know, your CRM or your you know, website. You're doing all that sort of non-dollar productive stuff during that slow time, and that's the reason we want you to do that type of work when it's slower. But the reality of it is, is this, you know, the dollar productive things, the lead generating, the pre-qualifying, the presenting, the negotiating, and the closing, those types of things are going to be much more challenging to do during the holidays. So let's just assume that what I'm saying is correct. Now, if you look at a calendar and you map out from the next from June through December and then you put like a big circle or a red star or whatever however you want to do it that's denoting the days that you're going to be working and days that you're going to be working where you're going to be focusing on hitting your three to five minimum standards, where you're going to be focusing on the $5 productive things every day, where you're actually going to be working, right? Are you with me on that? So on those days, I want you to mark it on your calendar. Here's what kind of is interesting. You might discover, depending on you know just your world, you might discover that you've only got maybe another solid, let's call it, what do you think, Julie, eight mm-hmm. weeks, maybe ten weeks of solid work I left mean, this year. I mean, as far as like real work weeks, productive weeks where you're not dealing with something, as you said, yeah, I would say, you know, it seems like a lot more if you look at the calendar on your wall, but I would agree with that in terms of productivity, sure. I just added it up. You probably realistically have. Now, this is not taking into account. Um, this is not taking into account the weeks that you've scheduled yourself to take off. This is not taking into account other things like that. But realistically, as far as easily worked weeks where you're not going to have disruptions, you probably have. I would say between eight and twelve work weeks left this year. So go ahead on your calendar and mark those days off. And what you're going to see, and see, this is an exercise that's designed to do two things. One, it's going to motivate you not to be complacent because you're going to realize you don't have six months, you know, you have maybe 10 weeks left, right? So when you put it in that perspective and you see it on a calendar, how many actual work days you have left this uh, year, remember to take out the days that you're taking off, take out the days if you've scheduled a you know, vacation or whatever, and then look at that calendar. That in itself is going to create pressure on you, which is good to force you to get more stuff done and focus on the things they're going to be putting you in a position to help others and make money. There's one thing. It's very motivational. But here's the flip side to that as well. It makes it so that you actually have an opportunity to sort of realize that you're not going to be working 
working relentlessly for the next six months. And if you are feeling like you're burning the candle on both ends right now, which a lot of you do feel like that, you know you can look at your calendar and say, look, I know I'm going to be working at a high level of intensity for the next, say, three weeks, and then I see I have a week coming off, or I see I have a long weekend because of the 4th of July or whatever. So look forward, and that will help you to balance your sort of spiritual, emotional, you know, psychological energies now. At the same time, it will be motivational. So that's my suggestion for all of you who have been emailing us and kind of expressing your concerns about feeling a little bit burned out. It's normal this time of year to feel that. It really, truly is. But add to that the stresses of, the, of a market where in some markets where there's not enough for folks to choose from and you're having to be in these constant battles for, you know, getting your buyers uh, to get their, uh, you know, get, get them in contract, which leads perfectly to our topic. So what we're going to be talking about today is the 14 biggest buyer mistakes that you're probably making. Now, a lot of these, the first two points, as I'm looking at Julie's notes, are basic things. But here's the thing that's amazing about the basic things. Hardly anybody does them correctly. So we're going to go through these points in offices, office managers, brokers. Uh, I know a lot of you guys use our podcast for training. Julie's going to present these in a very organized fashion, point one, point two. So this will give you an opportunity to write all these things down. I would strongly suggest that you use these four, or 15 points now that I'm looking at. Julie just added a bonus point. I'm st- I'd strongly suggest that you use these points as required training for every agent that comes into your office. And there's a lot of um, woven in things that you're going to, if you're paying attention, you're going to realize are beneficial for more purposes than just selling houses to buyers. We put in some safety things in here. We put in some financial things. uh, But you guys get ready to take notes. So, Julie, why don't you just jump right in? Yep, you got it. And just a little shout-out to our grizzled veterans who are listening who will, of course, say, yeah, yeah, I heard that before. You guys get the most sloppy when you get busy, when you get slammed, when you have lots of appointments, when you get burned out, when you get tired. So you're not immune to this. On all of the deals that we hear about as coaches week to week, you can look at this list and identify something that caused a deal to tank, a buyer not to actually close with you and close with somebody else, et cetera. So pay attention and make a commitment that we're not going to mess this up for the rest of the year. So biggest buyer mistakes you're probably making – Maybe not all the time, but sometimes. Point number one, not pre-qualifying your buyers before you start showing them property. I have quick points A through E. What do we mean by pre-qualifying? And remember, Premier students, you have a script posted on the website that you can use as your literal pre-qualification checklist. But why pre-qualify? Well, we want to find out A, their ability to buy. Kind of important. Now, that means are they all cash? Do they have proof of funds? Are they pre-qualified or are they pre-approved? And if you don't know, of course, we talked about that in our premier class. But uh, what is their ability to buy? Point number B, their motivation. What is causing them to want to make a move? C, what is their time frame? D, are they only working with you? And E, what are their expectations? Are they realistic? Are they looking for a four-bedroom, two-bath in coastal California for 250 grand? Good luck with that. Okay, so do they have realistic expectations? And you can do a mix and match with this, right? So can somebody be really motivated but not actually qualified? Sure. Those are the people that torture you and want to see 100 properties before they write. Can they be absolutely pre-approved, ready to rumble, and maybe even all cash but not be all that motivated? So you've actually got to check all of these things. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? Uh, no, I mean, really, the main thing is, is you can't. I, I hate to say this, but it's true. I mean, when you're when you're working on the whole pre-qualification thing, you've got to be really, really careful that your lender's actually doing their job. 
Um, you know, Julie touched on it. You got to make sure they've done. They're actually doing a three-merge credit report. They've actually verified the assets to close. So the pre, your job is to pre-qualify the buyers for motivation, as Julie said, and uh, the lender's job is to pre-qualify the buyer, or I'm sorry, yes, pre-qualify the buyer for their ability to purchase. Um, most lenders. We're not going to spend that much time with your buyers. Lenders are trained to not spend any time with buyers until all of you guys have spent all your weekends and nights putting them into contract. And then they'll actually get to the point of actually, you know, pre-qualifying your buyer. They might do a, you know, a check on just one credit reporting bureau, but they're not going to verify jobs. They're not going to verify all these other things. So make sure you actually get a real lender's letter from your um, from your lender. And if they're not willing to do it, or if you're new in the business and the lender's kind of pushing you around, get a new lender. And every letter, every every buyer should be oh, have in hand, and you should have saved a uh, lender's letter. And there cannot be, and this is really the bottom line, when you get that lender's letter, read the whole damn thing and look for lender code. You cannot have anything in the lender's letter that says subject to or, you know, VOE, verification of, anything like that. The only thing that your lender can uh, write the, a letter contingent on is the appraisal of the subject property. If you get a lender's letter back and it has a whole bunch of verifications of or subject to's, things like, you know, assets to close or, you know, credit uh, minimum credit standards or employment or whatever, whatever, that is a worthless lender's letter, and you should absolutely positively uh, tell the lender to do their job or just get a new lender or realize that your buyer is not a buyer. They are a looker, <laughs> okay? So, okay. guys, you really have to protect your time. And uh, really, at the end of the day, if you don't have a lender's letter in hand, in most markets, the sellers aren't going to take you seriously anyway. Uh, the listing agents maybe not won't even let you show properties. I'm having that happen, too, in some of the upper-end markets, that if you have a buyer with no proof of funds or no completely approved lender's letter in hand, they literally can't even see the property. So, you know, guys, this is your excuse to make the buyer prove that they're actually a buyer before you end up giving away your nights and your weekends working for free until they purchase something. And a lot of you guys who you get frustrated working with buyers, it's because you skip that very important first critical step. Go ahead, Julie. That's it. As Rory used to say, we call them buyers because they buy. <laughs> Otherwise, they're lookers. Okay. I have his voice in my head. Point number two, not meeting your buyers. This is a number two mistake. Not meeting your buyers at your office before you show property. Who are you actually dealing with? Are you being a Pop-Tart agent and just popping up and showing willy-nilly with hopes that you're actually going to put something in contract? Get a copy of the driver's license. Remember, safety first, everybody. Just use your head. That's for men and women both. Don't care how experienced or non-experienced you are. Make sure you know who you're working with. That kind of all Julie, is, that's, uh, that point, is what I was saying. Go ahead. That point is really critical. The office policy every broker and office manager must have is that on first buyer meeting, they meet at the office. And when they're at the office, now if the lender's already done their pre-approval on them, which they should have done before you guys waste any time with them, but if they have, then the lender would have gotten copies of their driver's licenses and all of that. You need to get a copy of the driver's license. You need to see that whoever shows up is the person that you think you're meeting and, and, and all the rest of it. But the most important takeaway here is, and this is not for women or men, it's for everyone, as Julie just said, but let's be honest, it is true for mostly women. Do not meet any buyers at any houses before you've got copies of the driver's license and you have real financial information on it. There are just hundreds of cases. It happens all the time now 
we will post occasionally on our Facebook group when someone you know says there's some creepy dude that's going to open houses or calling female realtors trying to get them to meet at you know houses and all the rest of it. Guys, listen, just be very very careful. You know what? It's okay if you're even direct with the buyer and say, listen, I can't meet you at the property until you've been pre-qualified. That's going to really show the buyer that you're a professional. Can you imagine any other professional? And, you know, you can fill in the blank, doctor, lawyer, whatever, that would be willing to work with a client for free, you know, literally, you know, giving, setting aside valuable time to show properties before that, you know, client or that potential bar, um, uh, client has an opportunity or has proven their willingness to actually perform financially. You guys are making that mistake every single day. And what you're doing is you make it so that that buyer doesn't respect you um, even if they do, even if they are serious, they're not going to respect you for the fact that you didn't make them actually prove that they could purchase. Does this make sense, guys? It's a basic standard that all of you guys should adopt. Moving on. Yes, absolutely. All right, so we have mistake number three, not using a proven buyer presentation. I know this is a radical thought for some of you. A buyer presentation? Well, you hopefully use listing presentations all the time. Why is it that you don't treat buyers the same way? Well, I have letters A through G, okay? Why do we do a buyer presentation? Let's look at this list. It covers agency. That's point A. Agency discussion is required. Probably 100% of you are supposed to be doing that before you actually show property. Point B, a loyalty conversation is covered in the buyer presentation. What do you owe them? What do they owe you? That's a discussion to have. Point C, for sale by owner conversation, how many of you guys... And if you just got licensed yesterday, it hasn't happened yet, but it probably will. How many of you listening have had somebody you were working with inform you on your next lead follow-up call that they bought it for sale by owner last weekend? They went to the open house, they wrote it direct, and that's the end of that. D, same thing with new construction. Happens all the time. Decided to build, okay, and you guys didn't even have the conversation about why they would want representation. Point number E, what's a good deal mean to them? What constitutes get me a good deal? In most of the country right now, that means getting them the house they want, and that's about it. Don't be much more greedy than that. Now, if you're working with an investor, what's a good deal? Are they somebody that just wants to do carpet and paint, or can they do a complete and utter rehab, rebuild, tear down, what have you? Define what it means. Point number F, what is a deal maker and a deal killer? Ask all parties involved. A lot of deals don't get written because husband and wife are not on the same page. It was never discussed with their agent, and thus you continue to show and show and show without ever putting them in contract. And then, G, what is the buying process? And that varies from city to city culturally, but what is the process? You know, if you live in certain parts of California, not only are you buying as is, but you will be also waiving the home inspection. You might want to let them know that that's normal practice right now in your market so they don't freak out when it's time to deal with that. And in other parts of the country, you have a completely different part of the process. You've got due diligence you've got to live through. You've got different licensing you've got to look at, different, you know, all sorts of different things. What is the process to expect? So big mistake, not using a proven buyer presentation. So, Tim, what would you say to these guys that say, well, nobody in my office uses a buyer presentation? I mean, this is kind of well, radical. I mean, again, it goes – you have a listing contract, right? All of you guys, when well, assuming all of you are listing properties, you wouldn't list a property. Well, you couldn't legally list a, con a property without a contract signed. And yet, how many of you guys will work with buyers today with no contract signed? Why is there a difference in how our, our industry treats buyers versus sellers? 
what if a really good buyer, and our definition of a really good buyer is someone who's gone through the lending gauntlet and they've proven their ability to purchase. They don't have a property to sell. If they do, it's listed with you. I mean, there's you know certain minimum criteria that folks need to meet. And uh, yeah, and they also sign a buyer agency contract. They also sign your agency contract. Nobody uses buyer agency contract in our marketplace. I can hear all of you guys saying it, and I understand that. So you can do a limited buyer agency contract. You can put in service guarantees. So coaching clients on the website, on Harris Learning, there um, is a section specifically uh, featuring our buyer presentation. Julie, what's it called, the actual buyer presentation? Is it called just buyer presentation? Uh, buyer presentation, and it's in the working with buyers okay. section where you'll find it. Okay, so the working with buyers presentation is our presentation that you should give to buyers and the whole point of the presentation is to get them to understand as julie just said the process we've already done the heavy lifting for you uh, you could use this as a you know a, a flip chart you could print this off and use it as a handout you can make this into a mini book but the point of it is is you need to respect the fact that the buyers need to be treated the same level of uh, efficiency as the sellers do. So go through the presentation, explain to them, yes, I can work with for sale by owners. Yes, I can work with uh, builders. Yes, I can work with just fill in the blank. It's all there. And then you can put in service guarantees. And one of the service guarantees that we suggest for you guys, and this is a way to get buyer loyalty, is you literally will guarantee the, the buyer, and this is up to you. You guys can do this if you choose to. But and this is again, this is a, I strongly suggest that you do this. Um, Tell the buyer that if they purchase the house through you, you're the buyer's agent, and they don't love the house within the first 12 months, and they want to sell it, or you could do it six months, or you could do it 90 days, it's up to you, that you will sell the house for them for free. Um, that doesn't take into account a uh, you know, co-op commission in the normal selling fee. So you would list it. Your listing fee will be for free. So if you're in a marketplace where you're competing with, for the really good buyers and you want to make it so that you stand out, give them a guarantee. Make it so that there's a risk reversal, so that if they find a house and you put it in contract and they don't like it, and you know maybe they decide that they don't like the neighbors or the neighborhood or some life situation changes, just the fact that you're willing to list the house for free, um, you know what? That's going to make a big difference, and they're going to want to work with you. All these little tiny uh, nuanced differences are what makes the huge difference and makes you so that you're the agent that gets the sales or not. Anything that's risk reversal like that when you're dealing with consumers, guys, makes the biggest difference. Because risk, making a, a bad mistake, is what they live in fear of. So if you can do risk reversals at the end of the day, they will sign the buyer agency contract. Now, how do you do the buyer agency contract if you're in a marketplace where no one else asks for it? You put a... Uh, a, uh, easy exit on it. So if they're not satisfied, again, this is all part of the buyer presentation. Coaching clients, just download this from the website and use it. Uh, so if they're not thrilled with the job you're doing as their buyer's agent, they can fire you with no strings attached. Maybe you put in there that they have to give you two weeks' notice or 30 days' notice. You could put in there that they, it excludes any properties that you introduce them to, whether they're listed properties or whether they're you know, uh, yet-to-be-listed properties, the unrepresented owner types, FISBOs. So however you want to write it, you can write it. But the uh, moral of the story is, is you should have buyer agency contracts signed. That way they're obligating themselves to work exclusively with you. You need to explain to them that you can sell them any kind of property, show them any kind of property, and if they're not happy with the job you're providing, you can actually, you, you know, they can fire you. Now, um, one of the things that we used to do when we had buyer's agents, is we, and this was way back in the 90s, so just keep that in mind, back when buyer's agents were actually profitable, you uh, would have a 30-day out. So if they wanted to basically fire you, they could have to give you a 30-day notice. Then we reduced it to like two weeks. 
And so you basically, if you weren't happy with the job we were doing, just give us two weeks' notice, and uh, yeah, you're out. And uh, there are some other agents that we've coached over the past couple of years that have also put cancellation fees in. So if you're working with a buyer and they want to cancel the buyer agency contract, they give you maybe 24 hours' notice, and they have to pay you a $1,000 fee. So guys, the bottom line is, is if you want to differentiate yourself, if you want to make yourself seem extraordinary in the market, do things that are extraordinary, and the buyers and the sellers will line up around the block to do business with you. Uh, so listen, a lot of you guys are still in the midst of deciding how your year is going to shake out. A lot of you have been in the waiting, the planning, the hoping, the praying mode. You haven't actually really drilled down. I can read it on the Facebook page. I can read it in the emails. I can tell from the things you guys are saying that some of you still are lacking direction. It is interesting to me. I see some of the chat requests that come in where you guys were looking for this download or that download on the website or this podcast or that podcast. And then we offer a free coaching call for you. And you guys, are, you guys say funny things like, well, I'm interested. I'm just not quite ready yet. And it's not that you're not ready for the coaching call. It's just that you're not ready to commit to your real estate business. And that's the truth. So if you're in that mode, if you're basically still trying to walk the line and decide whether or not you're going to double down on your business this year, you're almost out of time. That's the truth. For the reasons I talked about at the top of the show, you don't have that many working days left this year. So please absolutely positively request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And remember when you do, we're going to give you those six free books. Um, now, the Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate is a great book to read right now. It's uh, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, the original book from the 20s. Uh, but we've added a lot of real estate content to it that will also obviously make it so that uh, you have uh, more motivation that a lot of you guys are needing this time of year. And the other one, which is Julie's favorite and my favorite too probably, of all the books we've written is the Real Estate Treasure Map. And the reason I like it is because it's a comprehensive business plan. It also combines uh, life stuff, personal stuff. It's not just sort of like a numbers thing. It's a numbers lifestyle motivation thing. And it's interactive. And some of you guys are going to get into it. You're going to say, oh, my gosh, this is more in-depth than I thought it would be well good because you need something like that so you actually have a plan to follow so you can get to your goals this year anything at any time we can do to help you remember just go to free coaching calls for agents.com or email me tim at tim and julie or julie at tim and julie the bottom line is guys right now in this marketplace you are in the right place at the right time the market uh, some of you guys are making more money than you've ever made before in your lives, and you're wondering in the backs of your minds whether or not this is sustainable. In other words, whether or not this is just a fluke, whether this will be just a great month, or maybe this will be a great you know, three or four months, or whether or not the three or four months uh, from now will be better or worse than they are now. That's a choice you need to be making now. There's a pay cycle in real estate. The work you do today is what's going to determine basically your financial future three or four or five months from now, right? Now, Special notice for those of you guys who are still listening. A lot of you jump off at about uh, 28 minutes, but here's a special notice for those of you who are still listening. We're coming up on the change of the month. Tomorrow's, uh, you know, first day last – actually, today, first day last day. You guys got to be calling on the last day of May, and you got to be calling on the first day of June. Always call on the last day, first day of any change of the month, and you will find yourself with more opportunity. Look at the number of expireds. Even in your markets where you claim that there's no inventory, look at the number of expireds in your marketplace. Go all price ranges. Expand your search outside of your immediate zip code, and you're going to see clear evidence that the market is changing. Get ahead of the curve. And, guys, listen, if you ever need us for anything, email me directly, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Anything we can ever do to have helped with you, we're here for you. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the radio tomorrow. 
This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.